Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey everyone, this is John Rocha from Collider. If you like this show, you are going to love Divorce Sucks with Laura Wasser on Podcast One. Join the divorce lawyer of the stars as she talks to Golden Globe winning actress Kate Hudson. Download Divorce Sucks with Laura Wasser every Monday on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. It's that little Chico Pit Boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we always talking about striving and achievement and, and the Colonel Sanders story is is a story that inspired me since I was ten years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast one. Spotify. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hello, hello. We've got some Aquaman in the Trench updates for you right now. On top of that, a brand new trailer for the movie Brightburn. And then, whoa, it is a breaking news story for today's movie talk. 
And it's a big one. We are talking the Suicide Squad. But before we get to any of those really interesting topics, I have to introduce my panel. Haley and Roca, I love when you guys are on this table with me. Wow, that's really Thank sweet. You. Yeah, it's yeah. very nice. I mean it from the heart. Thank you guys as always. <laughs> All right. I think we should just jump right into it today because we've got a big lineup because really within the hour, I believe, Variety dropped a pretty big news story pertaining to the Suicide Squad sequel that, of course, we know James Gunn is directing. They're reporting that Warner Brothers, their choice, I want to phrase this correctly because you're going to see in talks and all these different things out there, the way they phrase it is that Idris Elba is Warner Brothers' choice to replace Will Smith as Deadshot in the Suicide Squad sequel. So, There is nothing here to necessarily say this is a done deal. It's locked. It's confirmed. He is their top choice. So that is where we stand on this. First off, Haley, do you think this is going to be a done deal? And does this news, did it surprise you when it popped up in your inbox earlier today? It definitely surprised me. I I guess I didn't expect them to replace Will Smith. I thought they'd just, you know, use other characters. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's it's great casting. If there was no previous actor attached, I think the immediate response would be like, yes, this is perfect. It's ideal. Yeah. Uh, I think it's great. It, it's very surprising. I have a lot of faith in what James Gunn is going to do with this, given his track record with ensembles of slightly villainous heroes. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited, and I can't wait. Hopefully, if it does come together, because the, the report I read had an interesting quote that was like, not just their first choice, but it said their first and only choice hmm. for the role. So... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, hopefully. I think that was THR's report. Okay. Hopefully that that says good things for the likelihood of it. And if so, I I very much look forward to seeing Idris Elba uh, nail James Gunn's dialogue. So first and only choice kind of colors my opinion on this whole thing a little bit. And also my toss question to you right now, Roka. Mm -hmm. So... First and only choice to me implies that they will keep the character Deadshot if Idris Elba signs on. But let's say he doesn't. Maybe that's a scenario where we don't necessarily get Deadshot, but another character to fill that role within the group. So given all of this right now, what do you think should Idris Elba sign on? What do you think is going to happen? Is he going to be in a position where he is asked to, you know, basically take the baton from Will Smith and continue Will Smith's interpretation of of Deadshot, or is James Gunn going to give him the opportunity to make the role his own? It's a very good uh, question to ponder about, because you wonder, like, uh, what is James Gunn's script? Has he already finished this, fleshed this thing out, finished it out? Did he have Idris Elba in mind the whole time, and they just had to politically move this situation, like they did with Ben Affleck, politically move these things around? He's scheduling conflicts. Look, when they pay you enough, the schedule clears up. And if they want you there, the schedule clears up. So you see all this going on. Did he have Idris Elba in mind? Great. Maybe he did. Maybe that's why he's the first and only choice, because he wrote the dialogue to fit kind of Idris Elba style. Also, you can't take away Idris Elba being on set with Dwayne Johnson, who's possibly doing Black Adam, where their conversations about being in D.C. together, all that kind of stuff. You never know. But I don't think you need to put him into Will Smith's uh, 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 what he laid out in that first Suicide Squad movie with the daughter and everything else. He's a criminal. That's his job. He doesn't even have to reference his daughter, or that's his thing. He doesn't have to reference his daughter at all. He can slide into this lore and still make Deadshot his own without necessarily having to allude to Will Smith or what Will Smith laid out in that first movie. And I think, honestly, people kind of mentally know this is going to be 
in essence a reboot. Uh, I don't know if any of the other characters aside from Harley Quinn are going to come come back to this thing. And Harley Quinn is still people saying she's coming back, she's not coming back. It's all things up in the air, so you don't know what's going to happen there. But I think this this excites me actually. This gets me like even more excited to see what James Gunn can do with Edris Elba. And it already gives that feeling. It's going to be a little harder edge than you think. I am all for this. If I had to place a bet right now, I think that you know, let's say Idris Elba signs on, he's the new Deadshot. Mm. I think it's still going to feel like a clean slate. Yeah. And if we do, let's say, get Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn in the mix, it's going to feel a little more like a cameo. And even with her in it, not necessarily like a typical direct sequel to the movie that came before it in Suicide Squad. I just have a feeling that, especially with someone like James Gunn at the helm, it is. I don't see James Gunn copying anybody else's work in a way that it feels like it is a direct sequel. You know what I mean? Right. Like, no matter what characters are in the mix, the second we jump into his rendition of this world with this group of characters, it's going to feel like its own thing. And that excites me. Absolutely. I mean, I think wasn't kind of the joke when the trailer came out for Suicide Squad was that they were trying to do a Guardians of the Galaxy mm. with all the, you know, the needle drops and stuff like that. And then that film was ultimately sort of reworked to try to be more like that trailer. So that's a very interesting progression of events. And it, it, there's, there's no way in my mind that anything James Gunn makes is going to feel like a David Ayer film. That's no. Yeah. Not happening. And if you, if you look at a Suicide Squad, the comics, Amanda Waller is the only constant that you need. You have you can have shifting characters all the time have made up different teams in the Suicide Squad. So it kind of works in DC's mm. favor and Warner Brothers' favor that they can kind of replace people in and out of this situation. Just to play around here a little bit, because we're probably going to get more news on this movie very mm. soon, given the fact that what, what was the uh, the production uh, starts in September. So that means a whole ensemble has to come together here. What do you think is going to be the next casting announcement? Is it going to be someone replacing a role that we saw in the first movie, or is it going to be a brand new character that we didn't see in that movie? Good. Or is it going to be a confirmation that uh, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller is confirmed to return? God, I would love the confirmation of Harley Quinn and uh, Viola Davis or, or Amanda Waller both coming back. I think it will be a new character. I think it will be a, a, a new number of characters that are going to slide in. And you've got Idris Elba now as your point person. So how, that should excite other actors to be a part of this ensemble. But, yeah, I think it's going to be that. Some new character from the uh, old Suicide Squad stuff. What you got? Uh, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we got the Harley Quinn Amanda Waller confirmation first, just because that way they don't have to reveal what the new characters are just yet. Mm. But that's only if they're interested in keeping that secret for now. Yeah, yeah. that would be interesting. I wouldn't mind if that was the next thing we got to cover on Movie Talk. But <laughs> we will wait and see. Right now, we got a whole bunch of DC Aquaman-related quotes to run through. This was our first official story of the day before the other news broke. So these quotes come from producer Peter Safran during a conversation he had with The Hollywood Reporter and the first little bit here is that Safran noted that he believes that The Trench is going to come out in theaters well before Aquaman 2 which already has a release date of December 16th, 2022 briefly he said we always, even from the early concept art days, loved the idea of a trench movie. He goes on to explain that when the audience embraced that portion of the film so much, they knew that they had to go with it. On top of that, he also spoke a little bit about 
Actually, briefly before I get there, the last report said that we don't necessarily know for sure if Jason Momoa or Amber Heard are going to be part of the Trench movie. Odds are they're not, unless it's from a cameo perspective. But he did confirm that the film is going to take place after the events of the first Aquaman movie, and he continued there by saying, we've definitely taken a page from our Conjuring playbook, which is, you've got the mothership, which is Aquaman, but Mm. there are so many great stories to tell within that universe of itself, that Atlantean universe. So, Roka, first question I have for you here are, are there pros and are there cons to releasing The Trench before Aquaman 2, so many years after we got the first Aquaman? Yeah, it's a good, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I like the idea of them releasing it before Aquaman 2. One, because like, they're saying it happens after the events of Aquaman. So what happened in the events of Aquaman? They dove through the trench. How did that affect them? To see Aquaman, to see Mera come through them and do what they needed to do? Does that affect now, oh my god, we've been, like, what does that do for the culture of that environment of the trench? Two, you kind of wet the appetite, for lack of a better pun, you wet the appetite of the fans to see more from the world of Aquaman by fleshing it out a little bit more. So all of that is a positive. The only con would be if they if they fumble at the opportunity and it's not a good movie and it kind of can put a little bit of negativity on it. For those of us who maybe didn't like Aquaman that much, it'd be like, oh, no, this is this the path they keep going. But that's the only negative I could possibly see from it all is that could, they could mess up some of the mythology and leave a bad taste in people's mouth before mm-hmm. the sequel comes in in 2022 or later i've got a lot of faith in this one and you know it's one thing to say i have faith now it's another thing when i find out who the director is i think Mm. that's going to be a little more solidified at that point whether or not i think this one really has a chance but this was definitely the part of aquaman to me that really stood out Mm. i love this idea and i think it's super smart given how far away aquaman 2 is that they released this to keep that momentum going the thing that intrigues me more about that second quote that i just read is the whole conjuring playbook thing because that that just opens the door to a lot of questions and it might be reading into it a little too much but when you first read that part of this uh this write-up Haley what did you think about that format for whether I'm going to say the Aquaman series within the DC film franchise or maybe the DC film franchise overall where Aquaman serves as the conjuring if you know what I'm getting at here I think so. Okay. I don't know. Is there a surprise reveal? No, not really. It's just the way I'm looking at it. It's like, had they said these conjuring quotes a while back, you know, the centerpiece of it all, I guess, would have been BVS. But if we have, Uh let's say, if we have, let's say... Aquaman 1 at the center of its own Conjuring-like universe and the Trench is a spinoff, could we then see, let's say, Shazam being part of its own little Conjuring bubble Mm -hmm. and eventually we'll get Shazam 2, but the spinoff for that would be a Black Adam. You see what I'm getting at? It could go in so many different directions. Yeah, I see. I mean, that is a little ahead of where my mind is at right now. Like, I... I feel a little proud because I feel like when we first covered this story, I was like, that sounds exactly like their approach to The Conjuring. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, I, I love it. I think it's so smart and it's, it's absolutely correct. That first film built a world that just is ripe with opportunity to explore the same way that the Warren's room was ripe with opportunities to explore in, you know, sort of spin-off sequely, prequely films. That's an interesting diversion though from the conjuring approach that this is actually gonna follow the events instead of being like a prequel. So far all of the conjuring films have sort of it's taken true. place in the past. Uh I I would love to see 
all those films, you know, in the future build out their own universes. That's more, sounds to me more just like typical franchising that we would have been used to in the past, you know, sort of within their own worlds and then maybe they'll cross over at some point, Mm -hmm. but, but really focused on building out these more linear franchises within their own universes instead of building one collective universe. It does seem like it's their opportunity to get the best of both worlds, Mm. to focus on singular stories and building a character, but also being able to have maybe select mini franchises within this overarching umbrella that could then still let them have characters cross over down the line. I I think it works for Aquaman specifically. It might not work for other heroes because you have the Seven Kingdoms. Those are Mm. already they already were introduced and laid out and and given background on in the Aquaman movie, so you can do that. With what you referenced with Captain Marvel, oh, sorry, with Shazam, because he was the original Captain Marvel. With (laughs) Shazam, uh, you can go the Mary Marvel route. That makes more sense. So he has all this whole family. The Marvel family can be the offshoot. Black Adam's already, in essence, pre-production or you know rumors about yeah, you know yeah. The Rock. But I think your point makes sense. Within there are possibilities here to spin out within their own franchises. Yes, definitely. Like the Marvel family would be great to explore with uh, Shazam. Uh, we'll see. Because I know, like the conversation with DC often has been like, don't put the cart before the horse. But the idea of and in my just so you know, in my brain, I'm picturing like you know, like a crazy you know the string chart type thing. <laughs> like I'm building a, an insane wall in my apartment right now, trying to connect all these things together. But the idea of having like the DC film franchise and then mini franchises underneath it that seems really exciting to me. Let's get a string of good movies first, and then we'll. Yeah, and then, we're getting uh, that. I don't want to like you know like Power Rangers six, seven, eight movies, and then they no. Can only that's, do one. That, I'm saying that this is like the opposite of that, where every where all but all you're starting six, to plan out like so many within. But that own. that was where movies like two through seven all rested on this one thing. Mm-hmm. If they're if they're operating with a strong start for all these different things and it's not necessarily about yeah. all those different things uh, coming together in mm-hmm. one and they can all operate separate of each other to a degree, yeah. I think that's a more promising franchise format. And also, it actually goes back to, to something... Well, it goes back to something we were saying the last time I think we discussed this story or another story, which was, I think it was a, a comment that Adam Chitwood made in his piece once that, that said what he thinks that the DC... And I'm paraphrasing here. I don't remember off the top of my head. But what he thinks that the DC film franchise should do going forward is just do something that Marvel can't. Right. And that's what this feels like to me. Yeah, sure. Get the good starts first. Then I think your plan makes a lot of sense. Just got to get those good starts first. And hopefully they can do a track record of doing that. Hopefully they call me up and I can explain this all to them <laughs> with my creepy wall chart. Don't you think this, they're moving Juan into that position, though? Like, do you think they're moving Juan into that? Like, because he's doing that already with Conjuring. Is he going to do this within DC under, obviously, uh, Sujahara's guidance? But certainly Juan could be someone you slide in there, don't you think? Well, maybe... I don't know, given certain reports that dropped today, who's oh, going to be involved right. in the future. Good but points. We, will, we will wait until <laughs> all of that unfolds and we get all the details. But right now, it seems to me, because James Wan is also so heavily involved in The Conjuring, I imagine he wants to stay heavily involved in the Aquaman mm, yeah. mini-franchise. And again, this, this speaks to something good about that kind of format, that you can have a leader like James Wan not necessarily be overwhelmed by the entirety of a franchise, but rather focus on a specific character and that world. And I think it's, you know, it's worth noting that Warner Brothers is really known for being a director-driven studio mm-hmm. where they have really long-term 
long-term commitments with their directors. They work with them for years and years and years. So I would not be surprised at all if James Wan continues to take a bigger position within the company. You know, he's mm-hmm. been working with New Line forever on the mm-hmm. Conjuring films, and that that would be very on-brand for Warner's to say, we've worked with this guy. He's he's great. We're keeping him in-house as long as we can. And mm-hmm. he has a knack for bringing in super talented, up-and-coming directors. So, I mean, yeah. that's the thing about the trench that I think I'm most excited to hear next. I can't wait for them to announce that director because I I have this feeling that because, you know, especially with Haley and I were so obsessed with these movies that it's going to be someone that he has linked to before. So there's going to come that excitement of, let's say, someone who's directed one feature jumping into a bigger production under James Wan's guidance. Yeah. Possibly. Or he does. We kind of talked about this like off the record yeah, the yeah. other night. He really likes filmmakers who make like a really banging short yes. film and then he snaps them up. Erlinger's free. Yeah, he should do that. But uh, then again, Erlinger's made two features, so I don't know. We'll see. I'll 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 drop that note on uh, their desks as well. Yes. All right. The next uh, story we have here is a new trailer for *Brightburn*. So this one is from Sony Pictures, and the studio is calling it a startling, subversive take on a radical news genre. Elizabeth Banks stars in the movie as a mother who discovers an extraterrestrial child who has crash landed on Earth, much like DC's resident crypto. Tonian. Brightburn opens in theaters on May 24th. All right. So when this trailer dropped, I watched it. I liked it. I saw a lot of reactions that say, oh, no, this feels like, you know, the same old creepy kid movie we've seen time and time again. Haley, was that your reaction when you first watched this trailer? It was not my reaction. I think it's actually a pretty valid point, though. I get I get that criticism. Yeah. But it's like it's the super extra as hell version of it because he's got superpowers. I mean, there are there are paranormal creepy kids, but they can't usually, you know, fly through the house like that. And <laughs> I, I'm intrigued if it is, you know, that's a fun spin on the creepy kid genre. We've we've got a couple of those already this year with the prodigy and mm-hmm. even the hole in the ground was a bit of a creepy yeah, yeah. kid film. But this does not to me feel like those two films. This feels to me like it stands out. Yeah. I really dug the first trailer for this and this one just adds to that and it adds to it in a way that just kind of reinforces what I got from the first one without necessarily spoiling too much. I love the visuals. Like when he puts that mask on, yeah. that's that is a really unsettling thing and at the very beginning of the trailer I like I wanted that feeling but I didn't get it and as it progressed I started to feel like sinking and sinking and sinking and I think a lot of that comes through Elizabeth Banks's performance mm-hmm. too and the fact that I'm already getting that feeling from her in a trailer in a 2 minute trailer I think bodes well for that relationship over the entire course of the film I already I, you distract <laughs> me when you smirk like well, that Roka It's do. okay go for it I know you got a lot to say about I this I couldn't one. be on the I couldn't I be more on the other side of the fence with you about Elizabeth Banks I do not like her in dramatic stuff at all I think she's terrible in those films and she's great in comedy fantastic in comedy those Pittsburgh films she's great that uh, cameo she, or not cameo but those scenes she has in 40 year virgin brilliant <laughs> she's so incredibly funny when she does it but i've never bought her in dramatic so what was what was the other horror one she did the, the was it mama or what one of those where she was the, the mother of the daughter and i forget what that horror film was where she, she did slither. slither with james gunn yeah but there yeah. was another one that she was the mother and the daughter there was stuff going on oh what was um, the name of that oh one? my god the uninvited. the uninvited right wow and, that's wow. the first trivia yeah. question i've got right along <laughs> and i was just like i just i just don't i don't buy her when she does it. I saw the thing she did with Chris Evans or Chris Pine where mm-hmm. they were and I was like, oh man, this is so it just doesn't it doesn't sell it to me. But 
That being said, the mask stuff is creepy as hell. What do you do here? The problem I have with these kids stuff is like, you gotta, do you have to kill the kid? And that's a weird feeling. And if they explore this idea of how far a mother will go to protect their child, even when their child is the most evil thing on the planet, uh, is an interesting thing to explore. Also, the way they present him in the trailer, he's bullied. This is why he does this. It's the, that's what sparks it, it seems like, from the trailer, this being bullied. So what happens if you push someone this far? I think Zack Snyder and Man of Steel showed you, this is what I enjoy about Man of Steel, it showed you this other possibility of what happens when a kid has to endure that kind of bullying over and over again and can't do anything about it. Brightburn shows you a kid that will do something about it, and that's scary as hell. So there are things, I'm, I'm, I will go see this thing. I hope it's good because I like the premise. I'm just not the biggest Banks fan in, in drama stuff, and so it keeps me away from it a little bit. Oh, wow. I didn't realize uh, yeah. you had such intense feelings about her work. I, yeah, well, I'm, I'm not saying I don't denigrate her as an actress in terms of the comedic stuff it's you know she, I just I just don't never buy her in the drama stuff all right yep well, I, I don't have very strong opinions on Elizabeth Banks, frankly. I apologize. I can't bring that to this table. But what I do have strong opinions on, I can't believe they showed that eye bit in the trailer oh, yeah. with the glass. That's yeah. brutal. Like, if my mom saw that, she'd freak out. <laughs> that was rough. I, I actually thought it maybe, depending on what they showed, how far into the movie it is, I think maybe it was a little more spoilery than I would like in a trailer. But uh, that that was the thing I couldn't believe most of all that they included. It feels like there's been a lot of eye bits in trailers lately. I guess the Dark Phoenix one isn't as graphic as that, though. No. <laughs> but it did, it did make me, like, shudder a little. Well, remember when, I don't know if you guys remember this, the strain had the billboards oh, yeah. with the worm, oh, wow. and they had yeah. to people, take them down. People yeah. were upset by yeah. it. Yeah. Huh. I mean, uh, now I'm picturing the, the poster for the horror movie, Would You Rather, with the razor uh-huh. blades to the oh, eye. That's yeah. that's pretty eerie, too. That I mean, yeah. that scene in that movie, too, it still, like, it's, weighs on my mind. It's a real trigger for people, like, mm-hmm. to freak out. I put uh, from Final Destination, you know, when she's getting the eye surgery. I'm never oh, getting yeah, LASIK yeah, yeah, yeah. in my life yeah. because of that movie. I put it as our featured image on something, and Adam and Slack goes, you can go straight to hell for that, <laughs> Haley. <laughs> <laughs> Oy, all right, we need to get away from eye horror before I can't sleep tonight. That should and be a genre. Instead, I'm just going to tell you to send in some live Twitter questions. Use the hashtag Collider Movie Talk. <laughs> We're going to take them at the end of the show, but I'm going to spoil one right now that isn't a question, but I just want to read it. This came from Adelia Chamberlain, and Adelia wrote, I don't know who is writing the lower thirds over a Collider video for Collider Movie Talk, but that Aquaman one just made me laugh out loud in the middle of a library, so thanks. I'm pretty sure she's saying thanks to Adam Smith in the booth. Adam is always super creative, and we have a lot of fun with those. Thanks to him. All right. We are on to our third story. This is yet another trailer for you, and it is a, a different speed here. So we've got a trailer for a new Netflix movie called Someone Great. In it, Gina Rodriguez plays an aspiring music journalist living in New York City who lands a dream job in San Francisco. Rather than giving a long-distance relationship a go, her boyfriend of nine years decides to call it quits. So she and her best friend share one last outrageous New York City adventure. I don't like that part of the description there, but... Yes, right. Perry. Hey, hey, I don't don't eat into it just yet. This thing arrives April 19th. All right, I'm going to take it first. So I understand that there are certain <laughs> romantic comedy tropes in this, but I think what makes it stand out 
compared to a lot of the other romantic comedies I've seen. And romantic comedies aren't usually my jam. But what really spoke to me in this one is the chemistry between the three mm. leads. They seem like real friends. I like their banter. I like Brittany Snow. I like Gina Rodriguez. And I wanted to look up. I didn't know the third. DeWanda Wise. I I had purposely wrote it down here, Mm. too, because she was so striking in the trailer Mm. where her delivery and her timing was it was so spot on. But it also usually was not what I was expecting. And I really liked that. So that is what's making this work. And also when you put Lakeith Stanfield, I Mm. ever since Coy said Lakeith, I just (laughs) I get it in my head. I get it in my head. But I know Lakeith Stanfield and he is something else. And he usually chooses really daring projects. So if he signed on for this, I would like to think there's a little something special that wasn't revealed in the trailer. So I am all for this. Who do I toss it to that's not going to rip it to shreds? <laughs> I don't know. Who do you toss it Broke to? Go, go for it. Fine. Okay, here's the deal. Look, I will fully admit to you that this is not... They, I am not their audience. I am not their audience. They ain't going for me to sit down and turn this on. But that being said, I love the fact that Gina Rodriguez is getting more and more of these kinds of things in lead roles. I'm such a massive fan of her, Jane the Virgin and other things like that. Latina actress, I can't be anything but supportive of this. I don't like the premise that somehow in a nine-year relationship, you're not going to discuss the fact that you're going for a job in San Francisco and how that might affect your relationship like come on the premise of it is completely ridiculous in a nine year relationship you would have this discussion before it happened unless you're going to portray Lake in San Francisco some kind of idiot boyfriend is like oh she's never going to get it she's never going to get it which would be kind of denigrating but um, this has that vibe of what was it with Seth Rogen and um, and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Anthony oh. Mackie the night before yeah. it has that night before vibe mm-hmm. so like maybe there were women who saw that that trailer were like, that's not for me. They, I loved it. And so I feel like a man looking at this trailer going, this is not for me. I love romantic comedies. I do. But I think I'm, this one, I think I've aged out of this one. I'll be flat out honest with you. I've aged out of this one. Because Legally Blonde, those kinds of films, I loved all those things from the 90s and the 2000s. But this one felt a little bit like out of place for me. Chemistry, actresses, absolutely. They all have great chemistry. I just the premise of itself just bothered me a little bit. Are you at all into it, Haley? Uh, I'm open-minded. Like I, I have learned to really love fun comedies in these dark times we live in. This <laughs> never used to be my stuff, and now I I love them. So, yeah, let's see what you got. I don't know. That being said, like, I get really strong Ibiza vibes from this, which was a film Netflix put out last year. Very oh, similar. Yeah. I think you warned me against it because I it's, wanted to watch that and then oh, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, feel free to watch it. It's very not amazing. Yeah. But uh, Richard Madden's great and Jillian Jacobs is great. Or is it Gillian? I always forget. Mm. But, um that was another one that had three friends going to party really hard and wonderful chemistry, really good cast, but just to me did not deliver, which is kind of what I got from this. It also, I don't see it, I mean, unless they're hiding something in the trailer, I don't see it as much as a rom-com. It's more of a friend comedy, mm-hmm. which I, those are harder to pull off, I feel like. You 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 mentioned a good one with yeah, the, the night, night before, before and there are plenty good. of good, The Hangover is a great one and oh, stuff yeah. like that, yeah. but they're, they're, that's a tricky formula to pull off unless you have all the pieces right hmm. no that's a fair point um i do i got bachelorette vibes from this oh gosh i wish 
Really? Oh my gosh. I don't know. Maybe it was also something because like I, I've been reading even more about Russian doll lately yeah. and I automatically mm. equated New York City to that and drew the line to all of them. But some, something about this felt like like it could teeter on raunchier like that. It, interesting. Like that at least. I don't get that from it, but if it, that would certainly make me more interested. Like comparatively, not to be rude, this seems very basic compared yeah. to Bachelorette, That's which is fair. like very edgy and in your face and like yeah. big middle fingers but Bachelorette is one well worth revisiting. Yeah. Never seen it because uh leslie headland is great and she should be even more well known than she already is right now absolutely agree that was when i liked when i saw it and then i recently watched it and was like oh no this is a great movie yeah. about female friendship mm-hmm. and how toxic and how wonderful it can be at the same time yep so if they can strike that balance then i will love this movie and i mean now that i'm thinking about what happens in that trailer and what happens in that movie i think it was might have been more of a visual cue than uh, anything <laughs> and a trio of friends maybe yeah but, I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing it dig into something like that because that is something that we don't see too often. And it's probably something we don't see too often because the broader comedies have wider appeal and yes. no. doing things like that is a bigger risk. But hey, that's what companies like Netflix are for. So maybe there's a little something like that hidden mm. in this that we're not seeing right now. Listen, this, like, it's interesting, right? You talk about the, this should have easily been released as a feature film. And so people, like, you go back to the Spielberg versus Netflix. You mean a theatrical release? Sorry, a theatrical film. Yeah, yeah. So you go back to this Spielberg versus Netflix type of situation maybe this film couldn't get a distributor maybe this film like whatever reason and so it's coming out through netflix but this absolutely could have been a studio release in the theaters no problem it, there's worse uh, uh, romantic comedies or friend comedies that have been released in the theaters and this seems like it could have struck the right chord so when you start to have this argument about uh, netflix should they not qualify not qualify this is a perfect example of why these films should be considered and qualified because they're, the quality of this thing doesn't feel TV movie-ish. It is a, it's a legitimate, it looks like a theatrical film. Yeah, I mean, that's that's towing the line of a very different kind of conversation, but like you bringing that up was also making me think, uh, going back to other major romance successes over at Netflix, and my mind immediately went to something like To All the Boys I Loved Before, right, and right. oh, it was a huge hit on Netflix. Who's to say that would have happened if it got a wide theatrical release? There is something about Netflix and that idea of everybody being able to watch it whenever mm-hmm. they want, the second it drops online, and that conversation continuing, and the rewatches happening that I think sparks the opportunity to tap into, like, you know, like a cult classic type of, of obsession, more so than, let's say, had all the boys I loved before been released on the big screen. Well, look at Crazy Rich Asians. It's not like anybody of, like, was a big star in that movie. Like, that, that could have also been. And just on Netflix and might have not you wouldn't know how it would do and so that's the thing but I, what I want to say is just that the, the blurring of the lines we have to accept that the lines no, are no longer existing and we have to move on from that and that's what I'm saying movies like this showing up on Netflix uh, 10 years ago that's a studio release yeah. 10 years ago mm-hmm. that's a studio release and so that doesn't take away from the quality or consideration of these films no matter what level they're at that's, yeah. that's my basic point I guess I didn't expect the conversation to go in that direction <laughs> but it actually serves our next story well and you'll see why as i get through it here so disney just announced a brand new 2019 release date for the sequel to maleficent of course the first movie came out in 2014 now we are getting the return of angelina jolie in the movie and this one is now titled maleficent mistress of evil and instead of dropping in theaters on may 2020 disney announced an october 18th 2019 release date 
Oh, my, the Disney 2019 slate. So first off, Haley, adding Maleficent to the mix. And just to paint a picture for you, so in addition to Maleficent now, we have Aladdin, Lion King, Dumbo, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, Toy Story 4, Frozen 2, and Star Wars Episode Nine. Did I miss anything there? That's already a lot. I can't imagine I did. Is it too much? Uh, it might be. Did you say Artemis Fowl? Did I miss that? thinking about that one. I know. <laughs> as sad as it sounds. Well, the reason I mentioned wow. it is because I, I was counting as you were doing that. Like, they're You're close right. to almost like it's conceivable that in, in the near future, Disney could hold the entire top 10 box office for the year if they have a really good year, which is kind of crazy. That's mm-hmm. a little scary. Yeah. I don't like that. I mean, it's not likely because there are obviously animated films from other companies that make huge amounts of money every yeah. year and there's always somebody that does a little upset and they're you know claiming the top five spots or whatever but i mean it's not the biggest stretch in the world no I mean, taking artemis fell out of the equation and just looking at the other titles that i named i mean those are all poised to be big money makers yeah it's it's interesting i mean from a consumer just a consumer standpoint it's not too much for me because i love what disney does with their films i enjoy them almost not always but more often than not Mm -hmm. i grew up a huge disney fan so that's like uh, just on a consumer level i'm like no give me as many as you want to give me i'll watch them all uh from a business perspective that's a little scarier to think about the the implications of that kind of dominance yeah the business implications scare me i'm scared for the poor people at the publicity department (laughs) who have to work year-round non-stop but I do also I do also wonder and worry a little bit if if it is too much because now we're not just talking about let's say two MCU movies if not three coming out in a single year but on top of that Aladdin, Lion King, Dumbo, and Maleficent 2, all eating yeah. into... And I know the Maleficent 2 spin is a little different than the live-action recreations, but that does all fall into the same kind of subsection of Disney. And I do wonder, is interest going to burn out? And also, looking at this list, we're constantly talking about how much money people want to spend going to the theaters and seeing their movies. And I think one of the last conversations I had, and I don't know if this stat is accurate, someone mentioned it to me recently, and it was making me think... That that most people out there only go to four movies yeah. a year in theaters. And if that is the case, the business can't sustain all this, and it's going to hurt them in one way, shape, or form. But that leads me to my question for you, Roka. So something that I believe Adam Chitwood might have wrote up the He's article. He's getting all the name drops this know, episode. Right? We love you, Chitwood. Who writes more I than know. Adam? Adam is one of the hardest workers. Both Adams. Adam, Adam. We love they're, our Adam. great workers. Collider. But anyway, in Adam Chitwood's uh, Collider.com article, he did note, and I don't know if this is reading too much into a press release mm. or not, that the press release for this announcement didn't say in theaters. Mm. So he suggested that perhaps this is not going to come out in theaters at all and is going to be released on the Disney Plus streaming service. So how do you feel about that, Roka? Do you have a a pick or a guess one way or the other? I liked it. I I loved Adam picking this out. It made a lot of sense. I I probably wouldn't have thought of it as I looked at it. So it was a great little twist when you're having a a news release like this to kind of bring that out and see and, and may have it spark conversation. So yeah, this is certainly possible that it'll go on Disney+. Plus. Once again, what, what we were just talking about, a Netflix release. A lot of big names are doing movies on Netflix, so why can't Disney+, Plus follow suit as well? Having Maleficent on there, Angelina 
Angelina Jolie, Michelle Pfeiffer, all being part of this uh, movie. And so you, you go, okay, well, sure, this is a great way to launch the service, get everybody signed up, get everybody jumping aboard. Great, why not? Uh, I, I have no problem with it if they went this route. Once again, this blurring of the line, all this has to stop now. And this is a great way for Disney to kind of put their foothold in the situation because people are talking about, like, how is Disney Plus going to make their release so unique, so strong, so powerful? What are they going to drop as their first thing that's going to get people on board? And I wonder if Maleficent is the thing. The sequel is the thing. I think I don't care one way or the other because I really didn't like the first Maleficent. So yeah. I, I don't I don't uh, have any reason to weigh in heavily on where I would want to see it land. But I guess it would surprise me a little bit if a major star like Angelina Jolie was... I mean, I'm not even just saying being okay with making a movie for a streaming service, but essentially being a little bit of a guinea pig in this mm-hmm. scenario, too. I, I would assume that there would be something contractually that would guarantee a wide theatrical release for something like this. I would be inclined to believe that as well. I don't... I mean, I would be very surprised if that's something they could just easily say after the fact, like, uh, mm-hmm. guess what? It's going to streaming mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. That being said, I do feel that Disney is making a very intentional effort to launch their Disney Plus as an, an A-list platform, you mm-hmm. know, not as a second source for good things, as a the place you go to immediately, you know, bringing on, they've said a Loki TV show, uh, you know, bringing in these MCU actors, a Star Wars TV show with massive Hollywood directors directing episodes, they're, they're not messing around. The other, you know, they have... Noel, which has been mm-hmm. in the can forever, coming mm-hmm. out for Christmas, I believe. Anna Kendrick? Yes, Anna yeah. Kendrick, Bill Hader. Uh, this, I love coming out around Halloween time, especially with the, the Mistress of, what is it? Mistress, evil. Mistress, mistress of Evil, evil. tagline. <laughs> I like that. And I could absolutely see it being a very smart holiday targeted play on streaming which Netflix has become increasingly smart about in recent years yeah. releasing a whole butt ton of Christmas movies in December or Halloween programming with Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and Haunting of Hill House last year we got the what's the Santa one sexy Santa movie sexy Chris, Santa movie Kurt Russell oh the Kurt oh, Russell yeah. one Santa Chronicles in November yeah. yeah so they're like that's a re- <laughs> like that's a very good strategy to lean into holidays with your release dates on streaming. Ho, I get a ho, kick out ho. of how we actually got there from Sexy Santa movie. Yeah. <laughs> I want to jingle your bells. Oh, oh listen, wait, wait, listen oh, you want to talk about Angelina Jolie. Um, look, I get you say she's a major star, but look, she her films have not blown up the box office in sure. quite some time, almost a decade since she's had a hit. So this isn't a negative thing necessarily for her to be the like masthead of making this move, it could also work. Yeah, you say guinea pig, but it could also be a great step forward for her to be this kind of person who does it. She has that much star power that people are like excited to jump on board Disney Plus for her. That could still work for her PR people in that way, you know? Because and yeah, oh, sorry, no, 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 no. I'm, just I'm saying, very just, passionate about this. Apparently, because no, 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 yeah, <laughs> by the sea, nobody went to see Maleficent. Was yeah, uh, Kung Fu Pan- Salt, The Tourist. Like these yeah. aren't Ooh. big films, so uh, like we're big box office or the changeling before that and then wanted 2008 so i mean that's what you got to look at and i I think she i think she would be a great choice
choice to kind of open this Disney Plus thing thing. Plus, it's one of their classic characters from the classic animated series, so it make a animated film, so it makes sense. And uh, she's, you know, she was one of the earlier filmmakers to sort of do an awards push through Netflix with First They Killed My Father. So Good she's points. very open to the Good. streaming. Yeah, it would seem. Not about that. Yeah, my I don't have. I don't think she would necessarily be opposed to the streaming. It's more. I, I'm not sure if they could make that decision afterwards. Yeah. Like you said, mm. contracts. With a, with a movie quite like yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. Um, right now, though, it is time for some plugs. And then, of course, we're going to take your live Twitter questions. So, last chance. Send them in right now. But tomorrow on Collider, what we've got for you is Collider Live. After that, we've got Jedi Council, then a brand new episode of this wonderful show, Collider Movie Talk at 4 p.m. PT, live. And then tomorrow night, Captain Marvel hits the theater so that means you are getting our spoiler review you do not have to watch it tomorrow night you can wait until you see the movie which you should but it will be made available tomorrow night so check it out i was on that with this guy right here and christian harloff as well all right wait don't forget to push your Heroes episode that dropped today, Perry oh. Nemiroff. You were a guest on Heroes. Go see that if you want to watch it. We talked a little Captain Marvel spoiler-free, talked trailers, talked a whole bunch of stuff. Mikoy and uh, Perry Nemiroff is a good episode. And an interview with Clark Gregg that Dorian Parks and Amy Dallin did. Nice interview talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain Marvel. That was a nice surprise. What? I'm always very honored to be on Heroes, so thank fun. you for having me. Of course. All right. First Twitter question today. This one is coming from Tyler Tashita who writes, do you think there might be a possibility that we see a double dose of Stephen King in the trailers for Dr. Sleep slash It Chapter 2 when Pet Cemetery releases? I think I picked this question because I wanted to read it out loud and like will it into the universe. <laughs> I want this so badly. Uh, I would love that. It would maybe, I think, be a little early for a Dr. Sleep trailer mm, at this yeah. point. Uh, maybe you could do a title teaser or something like that. I would take that. But I could, you know, uh, uh, an it trailer. I guess it's about happen. Warners. It's about time. Mm-hmm. Well, they might save it and um, put it on La Llorona or try to uh, maximize both. I don't know. Yeah. Well, after the uh, you know passing of Stan Lee, I think Stephen King should start doing. Uh, cameos in his movies and i would love to see him maybe introduce a trailer for one yeah. of these in some way that would be kind of awesome he's never done anything like that uh for the most part in his career so it would be kind of interesting to have stephen king do little things like that he's got a cameo in pet cemetery the first one the first one yes yeah. but him ever since the bring accident, trailers yeah. intrigues me huh? almost him introducing trailers yeah. kind of intrigues awesome. me like uh you know like a little bit of a like a host uh, twilight zone kind of feel right i do think that generally he likes to try to stay separate from the film just to give filmmakers and creatives their their room to create and explore. Right. But uh, I I always want to see more Stephen King. Mm-hmm. He's just the loveliest. I like that he does usually weigh in on Twitter or something. Oh, oh yes, yeah. he does. He always does have a lot to say, even though maybe he's not part of the the creative process mm-hmm. of bringing the, his stories back to screen. I just imagine he's just doing this, and then. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not even a, it's not even an effort. I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> all right, this next question comes from good old Rocky Drago sixty six. Right? How likely do you think it is if Rick Flag is coming back to Suicide Squad, and do you think it'll be Joel, Joel Kinnaman, or do you think he is the next person to get recast? Um, the reason I bring this up is because we happen to have been talking mm. about this. I think someone casually in the office brought up that, like, oh, maybe like they saw a report out there that claims Rick Flag will 
will still be involved. But we did a little research yeah. before and didn't really come up with anything concrete. Yeah, it seems comicbook.com uh, uh, and also Forbes kind of alluded to the fact that it's going to be pretty much a bunch of new characters for the most part. But they did say that they feel that Harley Quinn is coming back of all the older characters uh, from the first one. But yeah, I don't. You don't need Rick Flag. You don't. And Kinnaman's a good actor. I just that that all the most pretty much all those roles of Suicide Squad are expendable. And so to me, I, it wouldn't matter if he came back. Honestly, I'd be happy with somebody else coming back in that. Jai one. Courtney is not expendable. <laughs> Thank you. I think you say so. I, do you really feel that way I too? I really do. I you, thought I was the only one. No. You both are insane. This is the most pleasant surprise. <laughs> you know how I feel about Australians. They're my all favorite. of them. Sam Worthington too. All right, fair. <laughs> Valid and fair. So uh, regarding Rick Flagg, though, it, that was also in the THR thing. They, mm. they mm. wrote that they had heard previously that he was going to be a part of it, but now sources are saying okay. he won't be anymore, maybe. Uh, there's like he's, there's no need. Yeah, there really isn't. It, it's, he's not the standout from mm-hmm. the first film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Actually, before you said it, I was going to say that Captain Boomerang was the surprise standout. Yeah, so, he, yeah, he was definitely that for me, too. Bring that back. Um, we have time for one more question, and I'm going with this one because it is a nice question, and I love it. Um, handsome, ha- I think this is Handsome half-breed with a missing A. What is the film that got you hooked into movies slash the best film experience for me, the original Star Wars and Excalibur? So what Ooh, Excalibur, nice reference, yeah, son. Yeah. Nice. So what got you hooked mm. on movies? Everyone knows my answer, so I'll just get it out of the way now. <laughs> my answer is Jurassic Park, yeah. and I'll repeat what I usually say because it is the truth to my core. It's the first time I, one, got completely lost in a movie, but also started to really value movie magic and what that can do for somebody and the craft that it takes to truly transport someone into another reality. So I will never forget seeing that for the first time, walking out, being obsessed with that movie specifically, but also filmmaking overall. <sighs> You don't want to know my answer. It's, oh, now I want to know even more. You know, it's terrible. Top Gun. That's my answer. Top There's Gun was the one. With that. 15 years old, sitting in a movie theater, watching Top Gun, mind totally blown of what you could see and enjoy and experience in a movie theater. The romance, the the soundtracks, the bromance, the tragedy, and then also the way it was badass, the way they were flying around, killing the Migs or shooting down the Migs, everything like that. That, to me, is a, it was just a boom. And it's a film I come back to all the time, and I've owned in every version. 3D, what Blu-ray, 4K, whatever. Uh, I've owned it, and it, it's a film I love to pieces. Obviously, there are other films before then that like I enjoyed, but that was the one that I was like, "Holy crap!" So why do you think we wouldn't like that answer? Well, it's such a it's, it's such personal, a male it, film. It's, uh, it's personal. Know. It's special. Yeah, you own it. True. It ain't like Jurassic. Like, that's a, that's a spectacle. Top Gun I was just like that badass. You finally gave my franchise a little credit. <laughs> I or gave at least more, film. Or at the least the film. <laughs> <laughs> you said Jurassic. You didn't specify oh, yeah, one. Fair, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> what you got, Haley? Mine's I this every time this comes up, it's like boring because you already answered for me. Mine's Jurassic. Park oh. as well for all the same reasons. Oh. How about another one? Is there another one that was around that time? Scream. Oh, there you yeah. Go. Do you know okay. what my second answer would be? What? Scream. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh God. I'm not kidding. What I is know. happening? Am I in a Netflix movie right now? Is that? <laughs> We're about to go have one last LA adventure. Uh, I. Oh no. 
I highly recommend you tag along if we do that. It's probably going to be a good night. We yeah. need a trio. You could be our third wheel, Roka. <laughs> this is going to be a great... We should just totally make oh. it an episode of Movie Talk one day. Movie Talk on the road. Adam Smith, Perfect. are you coming with us? Yes. Yeah. I like to hear. Yeah, all right. That is all the time we have for you today. Haley Roka, as always, a huge thank you for being thank here. You. Adam Smith, again, thank you in the booth. And thanks to everybody out there for watching this. Don't forget to tell everybody you know about Collider Movie Talk on the YouTube channel and also in podcast form. I will not be here tomorrow. I am off to Austin, but don't worry. Mark Riley will be steering this ship. He will crush it as always. And we will see you tomorrow, 4 p.m. PT Live. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.